This is Shifting Our Schools, episode 89, Using Science to Explain the World with Rebecca Cini. You know, I think the other element, too, that technology has bridged that makes me really happy is it's become a equalizer in the classroom for mm. kids with disabilities. Um, and so, so many of the things that I'm able to do in terms of scaffolding and differentiating, yeah. it's also not public in terms of you can't see who's doing what on the computer. And so it's, it's been really helpful because I, I have a very large special ed population. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are enjoying your summer so far this year as uh, we're into July now, which is always usually the month where teachers get to really uh, lay back and relax a little bit, take that breath, and start recharging those batteries for another year of school to come. As many of you know, I'm in the process of planning out our second annual one-to-one summer of fun, where each episode will be about the one-to-one classroom and teaching and learning in those spaces. This summer, I'm going to be building off the peer-reviewed white paper I wrote and go in-depth into each one of the principles of connectivism and how they apply to the one-to-one classroom. If there are any questions you have or subjects you would like me to cover, please shoot me a message by going over to sospodcast.org and leaving a Flipgrid response or filling out the contact form there. It's always great when I get a chance to talk about the questions or ideas that you have and you'd like to hear me discuss here on the podcast as well. This week, I'm excited to finally get a chance to record a conversation with Rebecca Cini. I had the opportunity to be in Rebecca's classroom this past year and what everything she talks about in this episode in action. Her approach to students and to science is one we can all learn from. If you are a science teacher or have friends who are science teachers, you are going to want to pass on this episode to them. A great conversation with a great teacher with a lot of takeaways we can all learn from. And with that, on with the show. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm so excited for today's conversation. I finally got Rebecca. She needs to find time in her busy schedule to talk about her science classroom. Um, Rebecca, welcome. Thank you for having a conversation with me today. And uh, let's get started with just having you introduce yourself to everyone and kind of your journey into becoming a high school science teacher. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, my name is Rebecca Cheney, and um, I consider myself a secondary science teacher because I've spent the last 15 years between sixth through really 12th grade in the science classroom. Um, I became a teacher because I have this ability and desire to try to always explain the world or make sense of the world around us. Mm. Um, I my dad built a little um, schoolhouse for me when I was young, and wow. I naturally would find myself taking all of the neighborhood kids and uh, teaching them fractions, making them <laughs> worksheets, and, and just the journey started there. Um, wow. I went into college and needed to work, and so I got a job um, in an insurance office, which was explaining like insurance policies to people um, and started making some money there. So I, I went away from my quest as a teacher and spent about seven years in the insurance industry. Um, But what I was finding is um, my desire to explain how things worked was still there. Mm. um, And I just wasn't a salesperson. I was more of an explainer. So I went back to school and got my, um, 
my degree. Well, I had a degree, but I got my um, teaching certificate. Um, and then the journey starts there. I've started awesome. and continued my career in the Enum Class School District in teaching science um, and uh, have a big passion for um, really educational reform when it comes to um, the role of the teacher and the role of the students. So. Yeah. And, and uh, being in your classroom, I just love the way your classroom flows. It's always one of my favorite places when I have other school districts who are like, well, what does this look like? I'm like, I've got a science teacher that you need to go see. Mm-hmm. Um, so very, very cool. Um, so right now, what are you, right now you're teaching eighth grade? No, right now I'm at the high school and I'm I'm teaching two courses. One is called uh, uh, biology in the earth system and the other one is chemistry in the earth system. And there's some new courses that are really aimed at breaking away from that um, rigidity of, you know, uh, really two things, time and space, as well as um, integrating multiple contexts cross content and within the science itself. And so my husband and I have spent this year developing some pretty awesome courses um, that are really integrated um, and could be taught, you know, to any grade level and in any class. You wouldn't actually know if you were in a biology or chemistry class because it's so integrated. Ooh, I like that. Um, and around a phenomena. So you would, you would come in right now and you'd see that we were trying to explain what's going on in our oceans through the lens of chemistry or right now we're looking at all these different breeds of dogs um, to understand evolutionary processes. So um, it's, it's, it's been a great year. So talk, talk a little bit then about your, just your overall philosophy on teaching. Um, What, what, what do you kind of boil it down to and Mm -hmm. what are, what is kind of almost your essential questions or or questions Mm -hmm. that you're constantly asking yourself when you're building these units and these lessons for students? Yeah. So there's a quote on my wall that I'm looking at right now and I'll tell you who the author is because it might surprise you. The quote says, it's on my classroom wall. It's the pillar of this classroom. And it says, tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Mm. Involve me and I learn. Mm. Um, And so the key there is that involvement of the learner. And that quote comes from Benjamin Franklin. So you think about how long that was ago, right? right. Um, And so the pillar of of my philosophy in my classroom is that my job is a facilitator and a question asker to get kids involved in making sense of their own learning mm. and making sense of the problem that they're after trying to either solve or innovate or find a solution to that's tied to the real world. Wow, cool. Is really what I try to do on a daily basis. So. Yeah. And I love even, you know, you're talking about what's happening in our oceans. I mean, the, the thing I love about science is it's literally around it, around us all the time. Like we're yep. living, we're living this stuff, you know, yep. Yep. Um, and being able to anytime be able to have that relevancy. I mean, we talk mm-hmm. a lot about, about making learning relevant for, for students. And I think mm-hmm. science has got to be one, like for me, it's like one of the easiest because it's literally yeah. here. Like the ocean is here. The weather is here. We yeah. all live it. Our we climate. all experience our, our climate. Ecosystems. You know, it's just, it's here. We, our we society it. economy is driven by it. Everything. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It is. It is. Um, yeah. Can you talk maybe a little bit about a project that you've done this year uh, around this idea, a unit or a project mm-hmm. or something you've done with kids this year, something that you, as you reflect now that we're at the end of the school year, mm-hmm. kind of as you reflect me like that was a really cool unit or that was a cool project. Kids learned a lot. Or, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah so I'm going to, I'm going to go to something I'm actually doing right now, which is mm. a culmination. And then I'll, I'll talk about another one as well. Um, so we've been spending some time in chemistry, looking at climate change. Um, and you know, the, the, the pushback you get is, you know, I don't believe in climate change. Type yeah. of thing. And, and it's tough because, um, you know, when you're in the media and you're reading, you know, things on social media, there's opinions that, that get, put out there um, that if you don't have a background in understanding some basic concepts of, of science, um, you know, we can have these misconceptions happen. So I debated really hard whether or not I wanted to alienate my students right from the beginning with climate change um, and decided, you know what, it's not going to be me that's going to change their mind. It's yeah. going to be what they are able to be involved in uncovering by analyzing data, looking at satellite images and looking at data over longitudinal studies from 40 to 50 years because that's climate yeah. um and so uh i we have used a couple phenomenon looking at the cryosphere which is our frozen area mm -hmm. of our earth and then obviously looking at our oceans to understand what how human impacts are affecting earth systems and um the project that kids are ending my year with, which I'm really excited about, is we've looked at all these problems, but what about the solutions out there? So what are the innovations that are happening um, and how can students continue to optimize them? Um, and so a project that I just launched that's ending the year that students will present is um, is them looking at uh, a problem. So it could be habitat destruction, it could be pollution, it could be overpopulation, it could be overconsumption, it could be invasive species. And what are some different innovations, some solutions that exist now? And they're gonna present those and then they're gonna talk about how they would optimize them or what they might even create. And so it's kind of a way to get them thinking about, okay, so there are some things out there, but there's further innovation needed. And mm. what role do they have in being either a consumer in that innovation? Because that's what most of them will be. Right, most yeah. of them won't create something, but they don't realize their impact as a consumer. And that's right. the big one. Um, and so that's, that's a project that we're working on now Very that cool. I'm excited about. And especially through the lens of, I think so many times people think they're powerless in the impact that they have. Yeah. But they're so powerful because they have the mighty dollar that buys things. So. Yeah, right. Um, and, and, and getting kids to see that. Um, another, another project that, because, um, you know, trying to use this technology, this gift of technology to be more than substitution, yeah. um, is uh, trying to get kids out of the classroom virtually because of the limitation of funding. We don't have right. funding to get out of the classroom. So how can we use the technology to um, have kids do real science? And so you came in with a, a team and looked yeah. at a lesson that I had done where students were being citizen scientists through this Zooniverse um, website that has a bunch of images and satellite and data that kids analyze and and basically data they plug data for for the company by analyzing images and so we did that with the kelp forest but then just recently we were i was using penguins as a as a phenomena in terms of what's going on with them yeah. um, to understand the evolutionary process but one of the things that they're needing help with is counting them no well um, and so I found, again, another <laughs> site through Zooniverse where we went and looked, we went to Antarctica, which yeah. is cool because you can't go to Antarctica. Yeah, right. Using citizen science work. So it's just finding ways to utilize the technology to overcome your limitations that you have when you plug 32 kids in a class. And I yeah. teach five classes, 150 students. Yeah. Um, and so trying to find ways where it's, it's able for them to do that quote that I said, that involvement. Yeah. Um, in real science that yeah. has real impact 
impact into what they that. are going to do as their citizens, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I, I yeah. love that. I, I love that real impact, you know, and, and seeing it, you know, from a consumer or from a, a helper in science, you know, counting penguins or, you know, the lesson that I came in with um, some teachers from Moses Lake, uh, where the kids were looking at kelp beds and asking questions. And you could hear the questions at the table of, is this a kelp bed? What does it go? Like just these questions were coming out of doing real science work and helping society. What is um, you've been in a one-to-one situation now for quite a while. How has that impacted? Like, what is the power that you're seeing? Things like this, things like being able to bring real, like, I don't want to say real science, but, you know, being yeah. able to bring things, help scientists do real work. Authentic. It's Authentic, more yeah. yeah. In, in the classroom. What's that meant for you to have every kid to be able to just open up and, and, and do this kind of work? Well, I definitely know I could never teach in a district that wasn't one-to-one because it's changed who I am as a teacher. There's just certain things that are non-negotiable now in terms of the ability for kids to create and interact with the way that they're going to explain the world through the tool. And so I'm I'm a paperless teacher this year. The Uh only paper I printed out was that if there was an advantage to students having it in front of them as well as interacting with something on a screen. So it was very minimal. Um, And uh, anytime I did use paper, it was, I realized number one, how wasteful it was. (laughs) And, you know, just in terms of the stacks and stacks when you have this tool, but also too, just um, what I appreciated, appreciate about the one-to-one is that, um, it's, it's, I don't know. It's real. It's real time. It's instant. Yeah. Back I can get from it is, is instant. The kids expect it now, which I'm glad. Right. Um, but, uh, it's just been, I don't know. It's an, I can't really describe, um, what I've done with the technology because it's just become so much of just this class, yeah. but I know it's not normal in terms yeah. of, um, I, I, I don't know. I'm well, yeah, I think, no, I, I, I love that because I think what I love is, is you were to the point where you don't even, you don't even think about it. So when somebody asks you a question like that, you're just like, well, I don't know how to answer it because it just is. I take yeah. it. I take it for granted. It is there. I could not mm-hmm. go back and teach without it. Like yeah. how in the world would you ever, why would you want to, you know, you're at that place. Like, I don't yeah. understand why this is a question mm-hmm. because in my world, it just is. It's just yeah. the way we do work in, mm-hmm. in this classroom, mm-hmm. you know? And when you yeah. get to that level, that's where you, in my, in my experience, that's when, when teachers get to that level, that is where you see true, powerful integration of tech mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you just, you just know what's out there. And you, like you said, you find a limitation and then you look for the way that the technology allows you to overcome yeah. that limitation. Yeah. You can't take 32 you can't take 150 kids to Antarctica, but mm-hmm. you can bring Antarctica to 150 kids, mm-hmm. you know, and if that is something you want to do, what can I find? And there yeah. is something out there, other scientists doing authentic work mm-hmm. to bring that into the classroom. Right? You know, I think the other element too that technology is bridged that makes me really happy is it's become a equalizer in the classroom for mm-hmm. kids with disabilities. Um, and so, so many of the things that I'm able to do in terms of scaffolding and differentiating, yeah. it's also not public in terms of you can't see who's doing what on the computer. And so it's, it's been really helpful because I, I have a very large special ed population, yeah. um, the most of any teacher in my department. Yeah. Um, and I have very few kids failing. Yeah. Um, and I, I really do credit it to being able to scaffold and differentiate using technology tools. Um, that's been very, very helpful as well. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. There's just so many powerful things. And I just love your approach, you know, that kids need to be involved. And especially, I think, in science, again, it's something that, you know, we just, we are involved in it. Whether we want to be or not, we live on this planet. And <laughs> science is, is something we're involved in every day. So I just love, love your approach. So, yeah. well, thank you for taking time to chat yeah, with us today. Sure. I will get you back to your uh, taking your prep time so you can get back to uh, sure. building these amazing units and lessons for kids. So thank you so much for spending some time and sharing thank your thoughts. You. With us. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.